0: Hello, and welcome to Dash of Salt with AJ. I'm your host, Ahsoka Jackson. This isn't one of those channels focused on news and updates, but I do have a couple of quick notes here that I figure fans will appreciate hearing if they haven't already. First of all, we now have an end date and end chapter number for the Attack on Titan manga, which makes me sad even thinking about, but here's to hoping this incredible journey comes to a fitting end. Chapter 139 will be the last chapter, and as you know, 13 and 9 are both significant numbers in Attack on Titan, 9 for the 9 original Titan shifters after Ymir, and a time loon of 13 years under the curse of Ymir. The release date for the chapter itself will be April 9th, and then June 9th will be the release date for the final volume. Also, April is the 4th month of the year, so 4 plus 9 gets us back to 13 again. And the final volume will be volume 34. April 9th, 2021 would be written numerically as 4 And 4 plus 9 plus 21 equals 34. What's more, as fans have pointed out, Hajime Isayama himself is 34 years old now, and will be until after the end of the manga. So the numbers are just lining up perfectly for the finale. Always gotta put in those extra details up to the very end. Although it's still really sad to think of it's ending at all. And in more cheerful news, they've begun airing the English dub now. They have the first episode of it out currently. And having watched it, I really like Gabby's voice. I think it really suits her brash, cocky, and a bit bratty character very, very well. She's also great at carrying that energy of determination and fireiness, where she's a lot like young Aaron. And I felt like I connected to her well emotionally, and felt not just the confidence, but also how important the cause is to her, because she believes what Marley's been telling them, and she genuinely believes that the folks on Paradis are evil, and that taking them out is the path to freedom for the rest of the Eldians. The voices for Udo, Magath, and Zofia I also quite like. Reiner and Falco? I'm more Infion. Falco sounds maybe a bit older than he should, and with Reiner, I really enjoy the voice itself, but I don't know how well it suits Reiner for me. I mean, yes, Reiner is actually only about 21, but for me the Japanese voice, which sounds so heavy and weathered, actually fits the character much better. He looks older and comes off older than he chronologically is, and the voice really suits that. And even though it's a deep voice, it actually feels very vulnerable and fragile, which really is Reiner at this point. He's this big guy who looks really tough and intimidating, but he's very broken now as a person due to all the trauma and the guilt and regret. So I really like uh, Reiner's English voice in isolation, it's very pleasant to listen to, and I'll still enjoy getting to hear it and the very different feel it'll bring, but I feel like the Japanese voice suits the character far better. Zeke is kind of in between for me. I currently feel like the Japanese voice feels more imposing and authoritative, and uh, Zeke's position and his firmness or stubbornness of conviction, but I feel better about it than Falco's and Reiner's voices at the moment. I tell you what though, I cannot wait to hear what Eren is going to sound like now. Bryce, please do not let us down, man. There are going to be so many epic scenes this season, and so much emotional weight and intensity, and with all the complex stuff going on with Aaron this time around... I know. No pressure, right? But for real, if this works out well in the Dove, then I'm nothing but thrilled at the idea of having multiple versions to enjoy. I'm one of those folks who will actually listen to something in multiple different languages if I enjoy the voice acting or the characters themselves a lot. Plus, it can sometimes be a way of getting additional clarity or dimension to the storyline via dialogue. And as long as I... Uh, still have the English subtitles for translation is fine. Like, I have the Star Wars The Clone Wars movie on DVD, and I've watched it in English, French, and Spanish. Tano's uh, Spanish voice is actually my favorite of the three versions. So, having discussed the whole topic of the revised history and Marley's idiotic and obscene current plans, courtesy of Willie, I guess it would be a good point to bring up other aspects of the episode. That sequence where Peek and Galliard were being led away I sort of suspect that Peek was up to something there. She already seemed kind of suspicious of the soldier that lured them, and I feel like she was doing something deliberate when she went to go greet her team from the Panzer unit. I mean, it looks like a really sweet moment at face value. Like it's really nice to, uh, it's really neat to see how much she cares about her unit. And I do believe that part of it is genuine, or you know, was a genuine gesture. But it just felt very out of place. It was so boisterous of her, and from what we've seen of Peek, she has a very languid manner to her, and she likes to quietly comment and observe. She has a bit of a feline, Cheshire Cat aspect to her. We haven't spent a ton of time with her thus far, but based on what we have seen, pouncing on the guys like an overjoyed golden retriever seems a little out of character, no? I really feel like she either passed something uh, to the guy, took something from him, or is just trying to make sure that the team took notice of the moment and remembered where she and Galliard were last seen. Maybe some combo of those things. The vibe of that little moment just felt off to me. And speaking of little moments, did you notice how Lady Kiyomi, uh, the dignitary from Hizuru, left right before the big speech? Everybody else was gathering or already waiting, but she was getting out of dodge. I didn't really even take notice of that until my second viewing, actually. I've been more focused on our compliments to Willy and comments about his bravery and all. Let's see, what else? Okay, I'm curious where they're taking Zeke off to because they split him up from the rest of the team. He is the main strategist for the warrior unit, uh, from what I understand, and is known as the war chief. so could it be that they felt leading all three of them into a trap together would be too difficult? In any case, the whole trap thing, it was good to have that reminder that despite the massive power and ability that they have, Titans and Titan Shifters do have their various limitations and vulnerabilities, and that's besides just stuff like getting cut out of the nape and all. This has come up before in the series, but it was good to revisit that whole issue, that Titans can't shift when they're trapped underground like that. Apparently the strength of their physical form is not enough to overcome their level of resistance, and they wouldn't be able to form properly. Actually, wait a minute. How the fudge was Eren able to shift then? Okay, maybe that depends on how far underground they are and what level of resistance they'd actually get from the surroundings. Like with Gaudiard and Peak, the trap was almost like an old well and it was dug pretty deeply into the earth. Maybe the thick expanse of like rock and dirt surrounding the place uh, was substantial enough that they wouldn't have been able to break through. And I assume the same thing applied to the jail cells that Eren has been kept in before. Maybe they have been uh, deep enough down that he wouldn't have been able to break through. Meanwhile, the place uh, he and Reiner were in, they were just below street level and Aaron said that housing development was directly above them. So I guess the ceiling of that basement and then the uh, regular other floors, walls, and ceilings of the building weren't enough to prevent the transformation. But maybe if they had been deeper underground and he was dealing with a large amount of solid dirt or bedrock, then he would have been trapped. That's really the only explanation I can come up with for that, that the horizontal and vertical barriers surrounding Aaron in that space were weak enough that his transformation uh, would overcome them rather than being compressed or blocked by them. I think I'm going to take a look at what other fans have to say here, see if they pretty much have the same explanation for it or not. And I'm sure some of them can cite the relevant information we've uh, gotten about that in the past seasons. In any case, um... I'm not going to worry about doing this in chronological order, especially since I really want to save Reiner and Aaron's exchange as the main thing. So since I was already talking about the transformation moment, I'd like to highlight a few things I noticed from the very end of the episode plus the preview. Oh, there's uh, actually there's one quick thing I noticed towards the end, but a little bit before it. When Willie got to the point in his speech where he started talking about Aaron and how he now had possession of the Titan powers there's that puppet they use to represent Aaron's tie-in form. That's what I want to start off with next episode, since we're close to the end of this one. Thanks for listening to you today, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Next time, I'll be explaining what I observed about the puppet and the questions that's now raising for me also share my thoughts about the new glimpses we now have of Mappa's rendition of the Attack Dying. In the meantime, if you're enjoying the podcast, please don't forget to subscribe and turn your notifications on so you can get updates. You can also help make the show uh, visible for new viewers by leaving a like, share, comment, or review on whichever platform you use to listen. YouTube, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, Spotify, etc. Until next episode, be blessed and stay salty.